What do you think we're going to talk about? Um, you know, I had a new idea for a game that we could play. Uh, I thought we'd do a Byron's Book Club segment. Cool. I guess we have to... Anthony Davis is leaving, I guess. He's doing what now? Yeah, I guess he's he's going back to Chicago. Oh. Huge Zach Levine fan, Anthony Davis. Yeah. Him, Zach Levine, Wendell Carter Jr. And Jim Bowen's push-up regimen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to The Lake Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Harrison Fagan. We do this for Silver Screen and Roll. We are at that stage of the evening that usually the day would be kind of wrapping up because, like, the Lakers didn't even, you know, they practice today, but they're away from from L.A., and usually most of the day is, is taken care of by now. We're recording this at 4.30, and literally minutes before we were going to record out comes that video of Anthony Davis not saying no to Chicago. My question yeah. is, my question is, how bad would you have to hate your hometown? Like, do you think Jenny from Forrest Gump would have played in her hometown? Like, returned <laughs> return to her hometown to play if she was a professional athlete? Yeah, I'm going to say no there probably. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think you and I are of the same mind on this. Like, what is he supposed to say? Yeah. Like, no, of course, I would never consider the Bulls. Have you seen them? They suck. I mean, I would have liked that answer. <laughs> I mean, that answer would have been hilarious, admittedly. <laughs> but, like, you're not going to say that about your hometown basketball team. Like, like you, you probably have fans of honest? friends. Could you imagine huh? if he was honest and he was just like, guys, I'm playing with LeBron James in Los Angeles on a team that might win a championship. And you want me to care about Wendell Carter Jr.? Imagine if he was just I like, I mean, senior. I would, but they're, he's like, imagine if he was just like, I would, but you know, their ownership has shown they don't want to spend money. Their management is fairly incompetent. And so like, why would I go back there? Can you imagine the pressure on the Bulls on the front page uh, pages of like all the, you know, their remaining newspapers yeah, uh, the like, next day? <laughs> Davis says, if you guys win 60 games this year, I will be a Chicago Bull next season. Yeah. What do you think they do? Well, I mean, they not win 60 games. I'll tell you that much. Like, I know. They would, but, like, do you think they would try? Do you think they would actually, like, go out and try to win 60 games? I think they're trying to win games now. That's the sad thing. <laughs> the other thing to take into account here, and, and yeah, we are going to break down this video a little bit. Davis was basically asked at, like, a public function thing by not even a reporter I think it was just like some fan, some Bulls fan asked, hey, would you ever come back and play for the Bulls in your hometown city of Chicago? Which Davis also considers the mecca of basketball. Like, that's adorable. It's L.A., right? Like, this is this is a pretty easy stance that I'm making here. Yeah, but I think you have to it, – it's it's like Hani said on uh, on Twitter. Like, you got to cut him some slack because he at least slandered New York. Yeah. Like, while he was giving his answer. He talked about how overrated New York was as a basketball city. So, like, what I'm not going to – I'm not going to shame him for not picking his hometown. Yeah. But so he was asked about – he was asked by basically a fan uh, whether or not he would ever come home and play for Chicago. And, and he did the whole free agent to be, well, you know – I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say yes. It would be interesting. That's like blah, if blah, you blah. say if you if your answer to that is, well, I am a free agent like that's not that's not a yes. <laughs> now, 
the flip side to that he's, analysis he's though is that like saying, it's not a no, but yeah. He's basically saying I can't rule it out. Like literally, I can't rule it out right now. <laughs> maybe one it's day like, when maybe I'm the Lakers 53 will fold. years old. Yeah. If I if if I am 55 years old, 10 years having 10 years removed from my NBA career being over and Jim Bolin waddles into my now palatial estate uh with all of the money I've made over the course of my career and said you can be we'll, we'll max you out when nobody will sign you then yes I would consider playing in Chicago there's the circumstance on a scale of 1 to 10 though honestly <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I just I can't even take this seriously. No, it's that's, like, what, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. but on a scale of one to ten, not not about Chicago in general, but just just uh, or not about Chicago specifically, but just in general, how do you feel? Uh, like, where? How confident are you that Davis won't be a Laker in two years? Wait, confident am I that he won't be a Laker, or that, that, that like that, that? No, that he will be a Laker in two years. Confident that he will be a Laker. So yeah. higher number is more confident right, that he right. will be a Laker. Scale of scale of one to ten. Eleven. <laughs> like I really I, I just don't I really don't see any way they mess this up. Yeah, there was that quote that, that I guess uh, Sam Amick of the Athletics said that a source close to Anthony Davis was basically telling the Lakers don't fuck this up. Right. No, not telling the Lakers this. That this is what the this is what that source told Sam that the Lakers had to do was just don't you know don't f it up. Yeah, I even I and I am you know ever the pessimist and would be legitimately shocked, like knocked over, knocked off of my seat, shocked if Anthony Davis wasn't a Laker in like a year or two. I mean, after everything he did to get here, yeah. moving heaven and earth, I, I just don't see any way. Right, right. It's just it's it's too. I just don't see it now. Look, the the, I guess if we're for the sake of the conversation, I would imagine Cleveland fans would have probably thought heading into that that last season with LeBron, why would LeBron leave this a title contender to go play with Lonzo Ball? And Brandon Ingram and I feel like there were a lot of Cleveland fans going into that season that were like, "Oh yeah, he's going to the Lakers after this." Well, no, There's I, enough I, mean, I guess, I guess I, that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, I, but I also, but still, like, if I was a Cleveland homer, I guess. I, I mean, I, I look. He's still... uh, yeah. Okay, sure. But I, I think the difference is is LeBron did not just d spend the entire last year demanding a trade and trying to force his way there and convincing the team through his representative to give up all this other stuff in order to go get him, which I don't, I think would be hard to do if there was not some kind of wink-wink, nudge-nudge commitment. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, that that's a different circumstance. The other different circumstance is that LeBron was, he would have been, what, 32 at that time? Because he's 34 now, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, so he would have been like, you know, 31, 32, he was buying up, you know, houses in LA. He had spent mm -hmm. the last couple off seasons there. There were all these rumors about how much his family liked it there. There were, there um, were like plans for projects that he had to be out here to oversee. Yeah, do all that stuff. There's a lot of different contexts and like, and like, we haven't heard any of that smoke for yeah. Anthony Davis in Chicago. And that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, but yeah, I'm also... 
and Matt Moore, and and yes, you guys are going to be shocked that Matt is is playing devil's advocate on this point. But he does say that you don't know these things until you know them. You know, I we can we can both feel a certain way, and I am I would certainly, like I said, be shocked if Anthony Davis wasn't a Laker. Uh, but things would have to go pretty drastically terrible for him to leave. Or I guess Christian believes that if the, if things go really really well, he might say, "Well, I accomplished my goal here, and now it might be time to move on." But I just he'd Kawhi Leonard them. Yeah, but but there again though, like the problem. Yeah, problem Kawhi with that Leonard scenario, didn't demand a trade to Toronto. He just got traded there. Right. Like the 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 difference here is that Davis the wanted to be even here. on Anthony Davis's list. Right. Right. This isn't at like, least not reportedly. If it was the Knicks, right? If it was the Knicks, and he was like, "Well, you know," and he gave this kind of a sly answer, you know, then then I guess maybe. Well, you just could... wait till their road trip to New York, and then he w- he's going to do that, and yeah. then we'll have to analyze that seriously. Yeah, I mean, it's just look. It, this is this is part of the gig, and this is going to be part of the experience of this season. But I just think things are going too well right now for me to like actually try to care about this. I, I don't know. I, I mean, the Bulls do have. Wendell Carter Jr. And so maybe he sees that and he's like, oh, well, they have a guy that can play center for me for years to come so Mm -hmm. that I don't have to do it. And he's so good. They won't force me to play center. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's the draw. Wendell Carter has like the weirdest injury list to him right now. Like his I'm not aware. The reasons the reasons he's like sat out of games has been really odd. It's been it's been something to behold. I don't have it off the top of my head, but I do know like every third tweet i see about wendell carter jr it's like he's we don't know if he's questionable for tonight's game with like a sore buttock or something like that so well i wanted to get buttock on the show what do you want what do you want me to say yeah no i can't i can't i can't knock the hustle yeah uh the lakers do play the, the reason this is all going on the lakers play the chicago bulls by the time you guys are listening to this tonight uh and I don't blame anybody in Chicago for not wanting to pay attention to this iteration of the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was funny to see like the it flip from the offseason of like people were like, oh, could the Bulls make the playoffs to like one weekend? People are like, the Bulls cannot make the playoffs. Yeah. I think they're two and five right now. I was just rounding that up for my preview. They're, like they're, they're just they're not good. They're well, not only are they good, not good, but they've lost to some like They've had an easy opening schedule. Yeah, I think they lost to the Cavs, right? They've lost to the Cavs. They might have lost to the Knicks, maybe? Yeah. Uh, they, they've lost to some, like, really – Charlotte. They lost to Charlotte. Uh, so they, they had what was supposed to be a nice, easy opening to the season and have completely bungled that. Somehow, Jim Boland's strategy of – Is it Jim Boylan? Is, is it Jim Boland? Is it Boylan? Boylan or Boland? I, I definitely thought it was Boylan. Okay, well – his hot, his seat is boiling. We can say that. Yeah, or he's like maybe he's just like the B version of Je- of uh, oh, James right. Dolan. It is. Yeah. It is. It is boiling. It is boiling. Yeah. Okay, that's what uh, I thought. Good stuff. Hey, you actually caught me on one of these things. Yeah. Hey, I find I've been waiting. I've been sitting here <laughs> just waiting for you to mispronounce a word. Um, I got to do push-ups wanna... just because I fucked up his name. Yeah, I don't. No, you're gonna have to punch a time card and then go and do the push-ups. <laughs> um, I don't really want to talk about the Bulls, to be honest with you, because I'm not I, I like I think the only thing interesting about this game is like, is this the first game where the Lakers just come out and just like destroy a bad team from the jump and just like it's never never in doubt. 
because they haven't really had one of those yet this year. Yeah, no, I, the the reason I was going to talk about this was because I think what we've kind of learned about the Lakers is that they are very capable of making teams look awful. Yeah. Really, really, really bad. And one of the things that we kind of know about Lakers teams over the course of all of our lifetimes is that they do kind of like to play with their food historically. Yeah. Um, we know that about LeBron. Like one of the theories that I kind of have about this season is that the further they get into it and the more consistently good that they are, I wonder if LeBron really starts coasting because he has played incredibly on defense. I kind of wonder if at some point he might yeah. you know, take his foot off the gas there. It would be a bummer if it happened tonight. But I, I do think like you, you'd be hard pressed to find me a spread that I would comfortably bet against the Lakers in this in this game. Yeah, well, that actually kind of does bring me to a game that I wanted to play with you today. Okay. I kind of teased you with this before we got on the air. But yeah. I want to play a new game uh, that we are going to tentatively call Sustainable or Not. Ooh, um, I like yeah. it. Yeah, so I went, a, I went ahead and I looked up uh, how many stats here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven stats here. Okay. Um, and we are, and I'm just going to read them off to you, and you're going to tell me whether or not you think this is sustainable, and then we'll just talk about it a little bit. So, awesome. Let's do that on the other side of the break. We got to come up with a catchier name to this. Yeah, sustainable or not. Like I said it out loud and I'm like, this is really dirty. We got to come up with something better. Yeah, um, <laughs> maybe not on the air, but yeah. I, I Will like this it. regress to the mean. No, yeah, that's worse. That's definitely regress worse. or progress. Progress or regress. <laughs> <laughs> um, OK, for now, we'll say we'll stick with sustainable or not just because that was the spirit in which these were dug up and we will try to come up with something better. OK, um, so, Anthony, sustainable or not, the Lakers right now, they have the best defense in the league. They're giving up 96 point or they're only allowing 96.3 points per 100 possessions. Do you think that's sustainable? But either the rent, the rank, the stat, you know, both any of it. No, I don't think it's sustainable for exactly the reason I talked about in, in the last segment. Uh, eventually. LeBron is going to not play this well on defense. And eventually their schedule is going to get harder yeah, too. Also like that. that's the other, like some of these teams, when we initially looked at the schedule, like maybe we didn't think that highly of the Mavs, like even the Spurs, people were like, aren't they going to be a borderline playoff team? And both of yeah. them actually turned out to be pretty decent to start the year. So like, those are kind of real legit yeah, wins those are at good this wins. point. Yeah, those are good wins. But like this still hasn't been the toughest schedule of contenders yeah. and they lost to the one true contender that they're playing. So I think I think they're a very good defensive team. I think we've seen that. I'm just not sure that they will remain top defense in the league. Yeah. Um, and... I do think they'll remain top 10. I I've, I feel like we've seen. Oh, maybe yeah, not easily to guarantee that. But I feel like we've seen enough to think that they have a very good shot to remain in the top 10. I was thinking top five, honestly. Yeah. Top ten, top five is probably in play, too. Yeah. Uh, no, I want to go a little bit more than six games before I start locking in top five. Eventually, like... Rondo's also going to play. That's going to hurt the defense. So, yeah. So, yeah. But I think so. What I look for in defining sustainability is like. Is anybody playing at a level that we never would have thought possible for them, right? And LeBron James, like one of the things, so we never would have thought he'd be this good defensively. But at one point of his career, he actually was this good consistently. And yeah. this is also the most rested he's ever had to, he, he's ever been able to be heading into a season. And this is also the best player he's ever played with. So it allows it allows him to coast a little bit more on offense, 
which allows and him the most defensive pieces that he's ever had around him too. Yeah, to kind of take some of that load. Yeah, so I think you know, will we see some regression there from LeBron? Yeah, probably. I would. I kind of hope so. Honestly, I don't want him playing this hard on defense the entire year. We know he's capable of it, cool. and he won't. Just, yeah, uh, and then but like the other the other guys around the roster, like Caruso being a really good defensive point guard, that shouldn't have really surprised anybody. Yeah, uh, Dwight Howard looking this good. Yes, this is a this is a shocker that he's looked this good. But yeah, you know, I mean, I think you had a podcast title why Dwight Howard is going to lead to the downfall of the Lakers and they should be ashamed of themselves or something like that. So yeah, I mean, we know where you stand with Dwight. Well, I mean, you write my headlines, so yeah, yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> not for your podcast, I don't. <laughs> but but I, I think, though, for, for in Dwight's case, while he looks better physically and is more committed to this role than I think we ever would have seen, the idea that a former, like, three-time defensive player of the year would be good on defense, on defense, shouldn't have actually shocked anybody, really. Uh, maybe not to this extent, but, you know, and we might, again, we might see some regression here, but I don't think we'll see that that much, knock on wood. Um, and then Anthony Davis is like one of the best defensive players in the NBA. So like there and and, you know, Danny Green is a solid defender. Like there are defenders on this roster who can all play at the same time. And that is that has been the Lakers best lineups with with featuring as many good defensive players as, as they've been able to get on the court at the same time. Yeah, I no, I mean, I think you kind of rounded up almost all the context there. And like, I think just in addition, it's just like the schedule is going to get harder too. Yeah. Um, like, and so that will affect things. But yeah, I mean, I, I think there are also a lot of reasons to believe this defense is good. Like, mm -hmm. but aside from just what we've seen so far against, you know, kind of mediocre schedule so far. Yeah, um, tougher, tougher than we thought, but still not all that tough. But still not great. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I would assume that tonight against the Bulls will only continue to add to those defensive metrics because, cool <laughs> um, yeah, they are not a very good three-point shooting team. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, which that, that kind of leads us into our next question. Uh, this, neither are the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers right now are 25th in the league in three-point shooting at 31.4%. Anthony, do you think that is sustainable or not? Like, And by this one is more like... Do you think that's going to rise? Do you think that they're going to get worse, stay here? Like, where where do we think they're at? Like, I'm honestly surprised it's this low. Not after watching the games, but, mm -hmm. like, if you would have told me going in. This year, I would have been a little surprised that it was that low. Uh, Yeah, I, I would have been surprised, too, to find out that it was this bad. Uh, but so one of the things that one of my theories as it pertains to the Lakers and shooting three pointers is that like at some point you just kind of are what you are and the Lakers, I think have tried to modernize the organization, but they aren't a modern organization, right? Just like, yeah, but they brought in guys who know how to shoot. Well, like yeah, this shouldn't be still. Still, that, that shouldn't. This should not be unfixable. It's not like the Gatorade that they're giving them is like the anti three point shooting flavor. Like, yeah, but like, is Vogel known for being a, an analytically analytically inclined coach with like incredible systems that get guys open all the time? No, but like, I mean, Lionel guys Holland, have open same shots. Question. Jason, I mean, Kidd, some of this is. Thing. Some of this has been LeBron has gotten off to like, you know, like a poor shooting start from three, like Anthony Davis, not the best three point shooter. Um, yeah. No. So I don't think it like I think it is going to improve how much it's going to improve. I think 
like it's fair to worry or not worry, but it's it's fair to say that it's not going to improve that much. I don't think because again, so that one of the so things you're saying with, that like, this whole off season was just one extended Magic Johnson comment. Oh, we have shooters. <laughs> no, there there'll be a better shooting team than last year, but. Like I think they were the thirtieth worst be- shooting team. Like they were the worst shooting team in the NBA last year. Yeah, they were twenty ninth or thirtieth or something. I think. So I, you know, not exactly a, a high bar to clear in this case. But so one of the things here with Danny Green, for example, is he's a great three point shooter if his feet are set and his shoulders are square to the basket on the catch. Okay, and the Lakers this season. Have been using him, uh, ha- have been using him in more of a come off of screens, and now have to readjust yourself to be able to to get your feet squared and or your feet set and your shoulders squared to the basket. And I think that's kind of screwed it screwed a little bit with this rhythm. Uh, I think Kuzma coming back and playing a little bit more of that role might squeeze Danny Green into something that is a little bit more natural or or, or or logical with his actual skill set. But those are the kinds of things that you don't take into account when you're not a modern organization. They just think Danny Green, great three-point shooter. Quinn Cook, great three-point shooter. Troy Daniels, great three-point shooter. Without necessarily figuring out the best way to get those guys the kinds of looks that they actually are very good at. And I think it might take a little bit of time for them to actually figure out which looks those guys are actually good at and I think that's going to slow down the, in this case, is it progression? Progression? Yeah, like, is it is it progression if, if they're going to get better? I guess it is, right? Yeah, that would be progression. That would be the yeah. literal definition so, of progression. Yeah, so I think what, what <laughs> so I think that's going to slow down the progression compared to our expectations given the names on this roster. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm still, like... All the stuff that you just said are fair points, but I still and like I feel like part of this is just like like it's been freaky bad luck in some ways, like because these guys should be better like Cook and Daniels. I I know everything that you just said, but like they should be better shooters than this. And they've shown in like multiple contexts that they're better shooters than this. It's not just like one team where they've both been able to hit shot, although actually for Daniels, maybe it is just the Suns. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I, I think and like Daniels Daniels might just shot be really bad. well, um, which yeah. is like kind of, you know, that's kind of the worry point here is he, he was shooting like, I think, 50 percent going into the Spurs <laughs> game from three. And the Lakers are still like 25th in the league in three point shooting. Like, that's not great. Um, he hasn't but, been a shooting as much as I would like him. To yeah, be he shooting. is. He is just one guy. And you can only bring that number up so much by yourself. Um, yeah. But yeah. And so uh Davis okay. is not a good three-point shooter. LeBron didn't shoot very well last year. It's not like Rondo's no. going to help your shooting. Kuzma wasn't a very good three-point shooter last year either. So, like, where's the improvement going to come from? Well, actually, that kind of does bring me into uh, the next uh, the next two ones of these stats. And we'll just do them okay. both at once. Okay. So, right now, Anthony Davis has a usage rate of 32.7%, and he is shooting 22.2% from three. LeBron James, 32.3% usage rate, is shooting 28.1% from three. Kyle Kuzma, 20.9% usage rate, and is shooting 12.5% in two games from three. Um, the one all of he's these guys, made was that pull-up bank shot. All of, Yeah. All of these guys have higher usage rates right now than they are shooting from three-point range. And <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, 
Is any of that sustainable? Are we going to see some bounce back from the three-point shooting? Can James and Davis especially continue to be to get this much usage? Like Kuzma is uh, the only other Laker above 20% in usage rate. Almost everybody else has done – like they are all like your kind of like Ramora fish. Like they're just following LeBron and Anthony Davis around and just getting plays made for them. Like they aren't going out there and making yeah. plays. Um, and so – Part of me is like we kind of knew that this would be the case, like maybe not the three point shooting because there was noise about Davis kind of getting up towards league average. And LeBron, you kind of figured he was going to shoot a little bit better than this, at least Kuz, same thing. Like, but if they're not shooting this well and, um, you know, they're all having to use that many possessions and like which makes you think some of these are pull up threes and maybe it won't get better. Like you do worry a little bit about the offense getting a little bit bogged down outside of transition opportunities. Yeah. So Kuzma, I think he's going to shoot better than 12 percent from three. Yeah, I would say that's a fair prediction. And that's honestly like the first time I think positive prediction you've ever made about Kuzma. <laughs> now, he, I think he could shoot like 15. Um <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I hope Christian's listening. But so I think Kuzma, I, I think it's fair to hope that he shoots about 35% from three-point range this year. I think yeah. that's that's a fair expectation for him. Yeah, I think 35% is is 100% reasonable. Uh, I think LeBron will probably shoot. Now, one thing I think the reason why the Lakers, why his uh, usage rate is as high as it is, is because the Lakers are playing really slow. And that creates a lot more half-court opportunities. And if you're going to have half-court opportunities, it's going to come from either LeBron or Anthony Davis. And Kuzma's been on a minutes restriction, which means yeah. that, like, LeBron and Anthony Davis, like, he, he I, I would imagine his usage will tick up a little bit and theirs will tick down a little bit. Yeah. And also, Rondo returns, too. Yeah. I was just going to say, Rondo coming back, like, he's actually trusted. LeBron trusts Rajon Rondo to make plays, and Anthony Davis trusts Rajon Rondo to make plays. So I think that's going to play a factor in this over the course of the season. We're going to, they're going to trust guys like Alex Caruso a little bit more. And I think as a result of that, maybe his usage kind of ticks up a little bit more, but I, I think one thing the Lakers really have to figure out a way to do is run more than they are right now. Like you, the Lakers are a great defensive team. And if you are a great defensive team and you're getting these stops and you're still playing really slow, that's just an inefficient approach to the game like if you're getting these stops and you don't have to take the ball out of the rim all the time you should get out and, and score 10 to 12 fast break points in and it. not to mention like I, I know that it might seem counterintuitive but running more does kind of make it easier on you because you're getting easier scoring opportunities and quicker scoring opportunities versus having to like dribble 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 against yeah. the set defense try and run around yeah. furiously to create something it just it does make it easier on everyone even if it's probably a little harder to start the possession yeah so i i think uh, Davis's three-point shooting actually is a concern of mine. He didn't shoot well in the preseason either. Um, and he just has some bad habits with the way he shoots his three-pointers where, like, watch him on the it, catch. It never looks natural. No. Like, uh, ever. Yeah, watch him on the catch when he's about to take a, a pick and pop or some type of a, the balls rotating over to him. His feet are never set. He, he doesn't really step into his three-point shot in the way that you would like to see it. The rhythm isn't quite there. So, like, yeah, I, I think he's going to continue to struggle from, from three-point range. LeBron's three-point shooting, LeBron's general approach to shooting is fascinating to me. He never, ever steps into th to, to shots, ever. 
It's always on some kind of a step. Yeah, I saw, I saw you tweeting about this last night, but then his free throws. And then and then on his free throw, for some reason, he does all this stuff where he like steps into it and leans in on his free throw. It's the weirdest thing. Like I would I would probably say do one thing over the other, but whatever. He's LeBron, and I'm not gonna be his shooting coach anytime. Yeah, soon. well, that's what I no. I think that's the problem. Is like how many people do want to tell LeBron, you know, like that his approach is not working. Well, like his his free throw, for example. And this is this it's it's actually a an obsession with me. It's, yeah. <laughs> you should hear me at home while I'm watching the game. He does this thing where so at some points this season he will pause so long by the way that JaVel McGee and Jonas Valančiūnas almost fought over it. Yeah. <laughs> like they were, so you had that um he does this that weird like step thing where he steps with his uh his left foot. He like steps to the side, brings it back in and then goes up and I think that's that's kind of him trying to get like involve a step back into his free throw is is what I think is actually going on there but the problem there is you're in you're now bringing lateral movement into a free throw which you really don't need so it's just he he has all these weird idiosyncrasies with his uh with his free throw shooting that I will never I think understand or or agree with all that said I I he has to shoot better from three point range yeah, I mean, for for all of you at home, 28%. Anthony is not kidding about how he watches games. Like, there have been multiple times that we're sitting there watching a game. And, I, and I'm I'll just gonna... stop it and rewind it. <laughs> no, that's what I mean. Hand up here. Free throws are generally not something that I'm watching or paying very close attention to. <laughs> I will. That's when I'll edit a post. That's when I'll start. I'll fire off tweets that I was waiting, like saving for a break in the action. Like I am not usually closely watching free throws. And um <laughs> and like Anthony will like will pause the game he'll be he'll be like did you see that and he'll rewind it like three times to show me <laughs> and i'll be like okay can you press live now because now we're behind on the live tweet and i was trying i have a system here i can't help myself i know i know thing. So i'm saying it's genuine You're, he's like actually a shooting nerd um okay let's let's move on to the next i i think i think I think the usage is honestly sustainable or close to it. I think this may end up being around where they are. Maybe it decreases a little bit. And I think that the threes, I think, will probably go up at least a little for all of them. Yeah. 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 I, I, More so for LeBron and Kuz. I, I think, are we on the same Kuzma, page? Kuzma especially. Yeah. <laughs> Kuzma you One would hope. Um, <laughs> Although you know, he did one, work with Lethal Shooter, who has like been lethal for everybody shooting this year. But um. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, next one, the Lakers are, and you actually found this for one of your stories this morning, but I just thought it was a good, you know, debate fodder. The Lakers are 26.9 points per 100 <laughs> possessions better when Dwight is on the floor versus when he sits right now. He's an MVP candidate. Like that is incredible. Even <laughs> just six games into the season for that to be the stat. I know, I know it's small sample size. I know it's limited minutes, but like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I know part of it is just that JaVale McGee has not been good. So that actually kind of helps Dwight's numbers a little bit too. Um, but that, that is like, and I mean, this but is But that's not, even compared to Anthony Davis at the five minutes. I mean, but he hasn't played that many of those. I know, um, but I'm saying like, it's just, it's like, you would think those Anthony Davis at the five minutes would just be astronomical in the same way this is. But this is just like, this is an insane. And, and yes, the Lakers are two weeks into the season or a week into the season. That's insane. It's incredible. Yeah, that's I, I mean, again, it's six games, but like like shouts to Dwight Howard. Like, yeah, 
that is an incredible career turnaround um, and an incredible so impact. That's sustainable. Yeah, I think both of us are are probably of the mind that this level of impact is probably not sustainable beyond, you know, more than small sample size theater. I mean. Anthony, almost 30 points per 100. No, I'm, no, I'm no, not no, saying no. you can't make an impact. I'm no. just saying that's a lot. So what? What's how I think this is going to play out is that they're going to try to find more minutes out there for Dwight because of the impact he's made thus far. Yeah. And as a result of that, like more minutes, more Dwight minutes means that he, I don't think, can play at the same energy level that he has played at thus far this season. And that will force – that's where the regression is actually going to come from. It's, and the, it's, it's literally uh, – what's the diminishing returns? Like yeah. It's, it's literally that law, that principle is going to go into why Dwight regresses a little bit. And the scouting report will be out on him and like the players will keep going back to their coaches and they're like, coach, we keep telling him like post up coward and he's like, he won't do it. He's not listening. And I, I even yelled. I was like, hey, I bet you can't shoot a hook yeah. shot as well as Kareem. And like he didn't do it. He just beat me by for the offensive rebound and dunked like <laughs> poor Jakob Pertle yesterday was just he's he was like, Pop, I made my best fart joke. He didn't even laugh. <laughs> I literally farted. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even Nothing. say you smelt it, you dealt it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Our next one. Um, the Lakers, in a, in a similar vein of possibly unsustainable net rating stats, the Lakers are, this is going to actually, like, I think some people might crash their cars when I read this stat. So I just okay. want to warn all of you, like, <laughs> pull over. Don't overreact to what I'm about to tell you and don't start, you know, in your best Charles Barkley voice screaming about analytics like but <laughs> I'm not here to say that this is an accurate representation of how he is necessarily played. But I'm here to start a dialogue. The Lakers are 8.8 points per 100 possessions better when KCP is on the floor than yeah. when he sits. I was trying to think of that today. So I had that. I already recorded. I'm trying to conceptualize this in my brain. And I think that part of it is just that we, we're so used to noticing the bad stuff that he does. Yeah. That even if he does a bunch of little good things, they kind of fly under the radar. And then you see him try to dribble it behind his back on a dunk and <laughs> he messes it up. And like everybody's like, oh, KCP, get him out of there. Yeah. I, so I think the thing with KCP is like you're saying, his mistakes are so awful. It's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like the boyfriend who like goes to Las Vegas and is always the guy amongst a group of guys that spends just a little too much time at the strip club, right? He's he's with a significant other and all the guys are saying like, "Man, you really don't need to go back for your third day in a row." But he's also like on a day-to-day -day basis. This is not a... something that I've ever exp Oh, no, you're talking about when you were out in Vegas like for summer league? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, no. Oh, are you there? There you go. Yeah, I, he's think that, also... I think that joke, I think Jen just cut the power in your house, so you better start running. Like He's also, but he's also such a, a loving, significant other that, like, his girlfriend can't help but overlook some things. He just, and that's kind of what he's been. He's just been this really solid role player defensively who has been in the right places and has made uh strides or taking strides there but in the, the 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 defensive lapses that he has had like trying to guard Kawhi Leonard like that was so obviously not gonna go well and that, that was also that's not what everybody his thinks fault. of 
Right. No, but but yeah. it's still it's still things that like he had the twelve or eighteen points straight dropped on him because he was in that spot. Yeah. And uh, the the turnovers on offense and the poor shot selection and all those things they're all so obvious that you can't over that you tend to overlook the day to day. No, he's actually like a he's been okay on defense, if not just outright good on defense. And it's the weirdest thing. His his honestly, if we were to to start an actual analytics war between nerds and eye test people, like he's going to be the case like. The, the 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 case study that starts that that civil war. His, his stats don't make sense. I don't even have anything else to add to this. I just like if somebody ever asked me describe Anthony's podcasting style in one clip, <laughs> it would just be you comparing Contavious Caldwell Pope to the decent boyfriend who likes to spend too much time going to strip clubs in Las Vegas. Yep. <laughs> like what? Hire me. Major platforms. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> you're gonna have to workshop that one. Um, <laughs> all right, final. I'm I'm getting us out of here. Fi- final. Is this sustainable or not? Rajon Rondo zero minutes played. I just want to hear you say that it's not sustainable. <laughs> it's sustainable. He's not hurt. Yeah, I don't think I. Okay, you got to stop it with this. <laughs> um. Yeah, I I would say that that's not sustainable. <laughs> so Frank Bogle today was asked about Rajon Rondo. He's like, well, he did some three on three today, and next he's going to do some four on four, and after that he's going to do some five on five. I kind of wanted him to just like keep going. Then he's going to try some six on six, and then some seven on seven. After that, we're sending him to South Bay, and then possibly the Euro League, and then <laughs> he's going to try some eight and on eight. And we're actually going to have to play for a couple of the worst teams in the league just to kind of get his NBA legs back. <laughs> The loaner system, like in soccer. Yeah, they're like, we're going to loan them out to... been sent on assignment to uh, to the Washington Wizards. <laughs> to the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> <worst team. laughs> no, I... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to play your game. I'm going to say it's sustainable. I don't think it's sustainable. I think he's going to come <laughs> back and he's going to... Like, his first game back, he's going to play probably like 25 minutes and you're going to lose your mind. Like your yeah, well, podcast the next day is going to be must listen because you are going to trash the entire Lakers organization, say fire everyone. Like, Especially if they lose. Could you imagine coming. if he plays 25 minutes and they lose? Yeah. Uh, they, they end this current winning streak. <laughs> they're like, they've somehow gotten on, they're on the verge of breaking the 72 or 71, whatever Lakers season it was that they won 33 in a row. Yeah. They have, they have their 30 – they've already won their 33rd game in a row, and they are on the verge of winning the 34th and breaking the record. And then they bring back Rajon Rondo. He starts and plays 30 minutes, and they lose. Yeah, I would I would lose my shit. I would yeah. not handle that. I mean, you much. know it's coming. It's just like you're still not going to be able to stop yourself. Yeah, I, it, it's happening, and, and when it happens, it's going to be amazing. Tune in and – Subscribe to Locked On Lakers. Yeah, it's going to be one of Anthony's best and or worst rants ever, depending on your sensibilities. Can't be worse than my analysis of KCP. <laughs> yeah, definitely cannot be worse than that. Um, all right, I guess well, let's let's get out of here on uh, on our latest lesson from life success coach and former Lakers employee Byron Scott. So chapter 13 here, which I actually read, is ego versus respect. The quote here is, 
Part of me success that I, suspects that I'm a loser, and the other part of me thinks I'm God Almighty. <laughs> so right from that, right from that spot, right there, I thought you know this this chapter was going to be an interesting one. And in this chapter, Byron kind of sort of takes a lot of credit for Chris Paul. A lot of credit for Chris Paul. Yeah, okay. I was waiting for the I I created Chris Paul so D'Angelo Russell is actually a failure narrative. Well, he kind of names D'Angelo Russell without naming D'Angelo Russell. Oh, no. He uses a different example, but just here's a quote. A lot of guys come in to the NBA having been the best player in high school and college in any other league or tournament they played in prior to the NBA. They get drafted to a team and plan for a 20-year career. Their ego is through the roof. Who do you think he's describing? I mean, I definitely, if you had not just told me this wasn't about D'Angelo Russell, that definitely would have been my guess. Yeah, so he, he here's the example he uses. I had a player he says, but in, enough about Kobe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes, I had a player in New Jersey I had to pull to the side and talk to about life after basketball. When he signed with the team, he bought a house in New York and a house in Las Vegas two Escalades, and a bunch of other toys. I looked at him and I said, son, you." I, his son gets me yeah. every time. I can hear him saying, son, son, you just signed a three-year deal with a fourth-year option that's a team option. Your contract is worth a total of probably $1.8 million. You just spent that in less than a couple of months. His I answer mean, to me, we'll sign another. Scott, maker of good points was not how I expected this to go, but yeah. His answer to me, well, I'll sign another contract. I tried to sit down with him and talk to him about injuries and the number of circumstances that might make his plan go awry, but he didn't get it. After a third year, after that third year, the team didn't pick up his option, and he went to play overseas for significantly less money. What are the chances Byron benched this guy just to prove a point? <laughs> I don't know that we can rule it out. It is so until you put the part about not picking up his third year option, I was like, this is definitely a, a pseudonym for D'Angelo, and he's yeah. just saying New Jersey, so it's not like everybody right. says that it's. And he just meant like later traded to New Jersey slash Brooklyn, which I'm sure he <laughs> considers them the same thing. Um, I didn't even think about it that way. He's probably talking about D'Angelo Russell, but he's trying to make the story different enough. That it wouldn't be D'Angelo Russell. Maybe he thinks that maybe because like the Nets had a Russian owner at the time, he considered that an overseas team. <laughs> How angry do you think he is at D'Angelo Russell's max contract? No, no, I don't think he's angry at all. I think like if there was an he updated version of this book, it would be like how I helped D'Angelo Russell learn how to win. And you have to give tough love even if they aren't ready for it. Yeah. Uh, so in this in this chapter, though, he goes on to shit on J.R. Smith. Uh, <laughs> my first year, we had quality guys like David West, P.J. Brown, Baron Davis, and Jamal McGlure, but we needed more talent around them, so we only won 18 games. We drafted J.R. Smith, but he wasn't mature enough for our system at the time, so we lasted only a couple of seasons. He would go on to win a championship, throw soup at a head coach, or assistant coach. So, uh, But yeah, no, it's the, the, the whole chapter is basically him talking his way through coaching Chris Paul up into the Hall of Famer that he is today. He has <clears throat> apparently Chris Paul was a little soft spoken at first and uh they were there was a late game situation and they were drawing up the the last play and who was going to get the last shot there on this uh, on this random NBA night and uh Chris Paul apparently had to whisper to Byron Scott cuz he didn't want to step on anybody's toes he whispered to Byron Scott that he needed the ball to take that last shot 
Uh, I don't see any of this being like any of that doesn't seem realistic to me. Not a single part of it. No. Chris Paul not being vocal. Byron Scott drawing up a winning play. Like none of that feels. <laughs> now that you put it like that, yeah, I am kind of questioning the veracity of this story. <laughs> but apparently it happened, and Chris Paul would go on to win Rookie of the Year, and uh, and Byron would be fired. And Byron would cross his arms and say, "You're welcome." Yeah, and well, so he did. Like he said that had ownership kept that team together, they would have made it to a, a NBA Finals. But he said it was this whole uh, cancel culture that got him out of there. Okay, he did not. Time. There's no way he said cancel <laughs> culture. Uh, it's like it's almost I almost miss his postgame press conferences more now that like the Lakers are good and they have like this is a really weird thing. But like yeah. I just I kind of miss watching the chaos of the Byron <laughs> quote tweet reaction storm. Of oh. like of that like there was nothing was like it that season like the the his post game press conferences and the reactions that they created on Twitter were so much more entertaining than the games that year yeah like yeah by a lot yeah <laughs> yeah his he was there was one night he, he threatened to go beat giving. his imaginary dog like it was just <laughs> like you just don't like I, I need Vogel to start like saying some we like weirder stuff like um was it was it an actual quote it was like have you ever been in a fist fight or was that a report uh I believe that was an actual quote he asked someone like if they had ever been in a fist fight I'm I've... I'm ninety percent sure amazing I just I will never forget the dog one <laughs> <laughs> well that was that was my chapter you got next week chapter fourteen for you but. You know, finding out that he was solely responsible for Chris Paul's career arc while he painted Chris Paul as this like quiet, undertoned player. It was, it was, yeah, I, I mean, maybe, maybe he... Chris Paul could have turned into a winner if not, because he would have been able to get along with people, but who knows? Wow. Now that's a hot take. I did, would like to Did Byron hate. ruin Chris Paul? We'll did wrap Byron up on ruin this. Chris... Yeah. DeAndre Jordan's like, yes, you've seen the video. Yeah, DeAndre and Blake are like nodding somewhere. They're like, yeah, he absolutely did. If that dude would have whispered to me and asked for the last shot, I definitely would have liked playing with him. Yeah, yeah. If he just didn't like jump up and down and scream at me like a crazy person, I would have liked that guy a little bit more. Yeah. We just figured it out. How about we, that? We did it. We solved, something... we solved why Chris Paul is a good stats, bad team guy. This is uh, this has been a show. This has been an episode of yeah. The Locked On <laughs> No, it's this not been even, a show. The Lake Show. The Lake Show. <laughs> the Lake Show on the Silver Screen and Roll podcast feed. You can find these shows everywhere that you find podcasts. Make sure you guys continue to subscribe and send us iTunes questions. You guys didn't send any today, so Harrison actually has to sleep outside uh, for the next week. Yep. So that's too bad. Uh, Avery is going to go hungry for the next week. That's on you guys as well. Um, Did but, you just threaten you know. to starve your daughter to get people to leave us iTunes questions? No, I mean, that's what we already talked about. The, no, I'm the... just cutting your explanation of this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, then it's not worth giving one. Yeah. But you guys starve my daughter. Just want you to know that. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you next week uh, while the Lakers are on a continued winning streak um, and are getting ready to bring back Rajon Ronald. <laughs>